my name is Kate Amrine. I am a trumpet player and educator in the New York City area. And I've been freelancing and teaching for about 10 years now. And I have my own private studio and I also teach non-music majors at New York University as an adjunct. And as a freelancer, I pretty much play almost like every different kind of music possible. And then I also do a lot of solo work. And so I had a album come out. My second album came out in January. It's called This Is My Letter to the World. And it features new music for trumpet inspired by politics and social concepts. And I was really excited that I was able to do a CD release show and get a lot of things out with that album before everything happened with the virus. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. My first question is, what got you into music in the first place, and why did you pick your instrument? Well, I always was interested in music. I grew up listening to jazz and salsa at home, so I was always hearing lots of trumpet, just in recordings, obviously, but I actually wanted to play the clarinet, and I don't know why I picked clarinet. I guess I just had like a lot of friends playing it or something in band. And so I remember I like borrowed a friend's instrument for a day or something. And I like, I got to a place where I was like, okay, I can make a sound. Like I got this, I'm ready. And then I tried to play it in front of the band teacher, like to sort of like have that day where you pick and then they like write you down. And I like couldn't make a sound at all. <laughs> so uh, the teacher was like, okay, how about trumpet? I'm like, great, sure, <laughs> like I'm down. And I remember honestly, like the reason why I was like, other than like the fact that I had heard trumpet and so many different styles of music, I remember I was like, oh, I know there are other girls playing trumpet. So I'm like, sure, I'll do that yeah. instrument. And then it was so funny that as soon as I started, like those other girls in the section ended up quitting. And so I was like, oh, mm -hmm. wait, <laughs> how about that? And so it was weird. Yeah, honestly, I just sort of like remember this right now. So like looking back, I'm like, oh, weird, what a strange experience. But yeah, that was how I started. And then I was very much like for the trumpet. I never like looked back. What were your school experiences like growing up in middle school and high school? Were they mainly positive, negative, kind of a grab bag? What were those experiences like for you as a female trumpet player? as a youngin. I think they were actually mostly positive. I was really lucky to be in the DC area where we had really great band programs. And we even had, I think, like an orchestra in elementary school. Wow. And I remember, yeah, I remember like being really sad that middle school didn't have orchestra and only had band, which was so funny. Yeah. But yeah, so I was in bands at school starting in fourth grade all the way. And then once I was in middle school, I, I auditioned for all the honor groups and those I really liked just because it was a little bit more serious. But I don't really think I had a lot of negative experiences growing up. I remember competing in the like solo and ensemble festival where you like play a solo and then get judged. Mm -hmm. And I remember one year I got like a really, I think I played a solo that was like a little too hard for me and I got like a really harsh review and like a really low number on the grading scale, like really low. Like I was surprised, and I think my mom was even surprised too. And it wasn't like a helicopter moment of like, why did she get this? But like, I remember I was like, wait, like wait, why is it this low? Like I would have, yeah. And so I remember, I think I asked them or something. And I remember thinking like, oh, maybe it was because I was a girl or something, but like, yeah, you never really know. And then I just remember, I was like, okay, well next year, like I'm not gonna get that score again. And I remember like definitely feeling that motivation to practice, which was cool, but yeah. The only other like negative experience I remember actually is from, I'm definitely not gonna name names here, but when I was in high school, we were playing 
I think for someone in high school that like didn't explore all the other possible rhythms and I was just like butchering all of them and I was playing first because I was the oldest in my section and there was this like course like you know smarmy guy playing second who's like oh this is how you play this rhythm and you're playing this one wrong too and I just remember getting so angry even oh though God, I did girl, yeah. that me all the time no, <laughs> yeah crazy. and I honestly almost punched him in the face because mm. I got so bad and I was like oh wow okay like my career would have been completely different if I had punched this person who now has an orchestral job I might add and yeah it was just so funny Looking back, I, I think it's funny, but in the moment, I was just like furious. Like, how dare this person tell the first player what to do, even though I know I'm playing it wrong. Like, I'm trying to figure it out, you know? Mm -hmm. Very dumb. So you went on to study trumpet at Peabody and NYU. So what were those experiences like for you as a collegiate player now? So we're bumping up in the world. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a lot more serious. I really loved my time at NYU. I, I mean, just, yeah, like being in New York City as a young person, it was so amazing to be able to play so many different styles of music and hang in both the classical and the jazz department and play musicals. I was also like really hungry for gigs. So I would scour Craigslist and just like literally say yes to everything possible, which was really fun. And I remember like I had some totally like crazy musical experiences because of that, which was, yeah, it's fun to reminisce. But at the time, NYU was a really small brass department, and so it sort of went, as I got older, it became like a little bit of like, I was a big fish in a small pond, and I sort of needed more of a push, and also, I think, which something that people don't really talk about is like the mindset of a school or a studio, and how that can like really help or infect people in a good or bad way, and at that time, after a little bit, like the mindset was not the most like positive career focused. It was kind of like negative and not not from the teachers, like literally just the students. Some of the students like were not super inspiring and were not like really practicing their butts off and all that stuff. So I was like really hungry for like a competitive environment, but still supportive and just something where I knew I was going to be like the worst person there. Um, and so that's why I went to Peabody, <laughs> which was definitely that experience and very eye-opening and yeah it was hard it was really hard and just being in a conservatory the whole honestly the mindset from a university to a conservatory was like very surprising to me like these were people that like grew up listening to classical music 24 hours a day and there were so many classical pieces that i had never heard like somehow up to that point just because i wasn't raised listening to classical music so it was pretty weird being there like when i was surrounded by people that i was like this is their life they want an orchestra job but it was cool and obviously I learned a lot. Were you one of the only female trumpet players in your studio? Did you have some sort of camaraderie with others or did you often feel like you were kind of the only when you were in college? At NYU, there were a couple other women in the studio, which was really, really nice. They were all older than me, which I think also helps because I was able to see like, this is someone in their doctor, this is someone in their master's who was doing the same thing that I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't, really think I felt any sort of sexism when I was at NYU, like from the school or from the department. But I do remember once when they were picking the next musical for the next year, and it was like a little bit more of a jazz musical than like the other ones before. And so they asked all the jazz department guys first, 
and then they needed a third trumpet and they were going to be like asking someone from the community instead of someone from NYU and I remember my friend had to like really advocate for me as like no she can hang in this style like don't worry it's going to be fine and yeah. it was like so annoying like that he had to like help me get this job like third trumpet like it's not even that big of a part you know yeah yeah so that was the thing with NYU but at Peabody yeah I was the only lady in the studio and it was very challenging it was not yeah. so great in some ways um, yeah no I completely understand sympathize with that but you know when you graduated became this freelancing musician obviously and you've done stuff on with Broadway shows and things like that and I was actually talking with another female trumpet player on one of these interviews and she was talking about some of the experiences she had where as being a female trumpet player she struggled getting some gigs sometimes or with her relationships with some people when she would be gigging with them and like to consistently keep getting gigs and like build those relationships she mm -hmm. felt like she had to put up with a lot of different forms of treatment that some of the male trumpet players didn't receive have you yeah. ever had experience anything like oh that gosh. in the professional yeah. world i definitely have the most recent experience i think it was so traumatizing that I literally left the gig in tears and like this was I think it was last year and so but at that point I'd been in New York freelancing for nine years so it's like I thought I had seen it all <laughs> but apparently not and and so this gig I had to it was like a horn section and DJ kind of thing and so a lot of sax players do this where they just like have a DJ go and then they cycle the horn players in and out to play along with like the jams <laughs> and so it was for like a private party so yeah like there's no music there's no structure you literally don't know what you're playing until you get there and or like literally on stage so and i was really nervous for it because i'd done a lot of like wedding gigs and that kind of thing where you have you don't have music but you know the tunes because they all of them do almost all of the same songs but this was yeah. just like loops like there was no structure so like i would have to figure out the key on stage also so and I remember I asked the band leader, I'm like, I've never done this thing before. Like, there'll be other people. Like, is it going to be cool? And they're like, yeah, no worries. It's going to be great. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so we got there. And because it was a private party, like so many of these gigs, you're dressing up, they have hair and makeup. And like, I do a lot of them where I'm part of like an all-female horn section. So they always have to have us like look a certain way. And that's probably a whole other conversation. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I was the only girl in this group of, I think like six other horn players. And, and they were all wearing like schlubby suits with like colored ties or something. And I remember I brought like a black dress, but then they determined that my black dress wasn't like slutty enough for this event. So they had me wear somebody else's dress, like not even like a dress that was like purchased for like models or something. It was like literally like the boss's dress or something wow. that like didn't fit me and like made me feel uncomfortable. And I don't think guys talk about this a lot, but as a brass player, like wearing something that feels comfortable for my body, like is really important to me because I can, mm -hmm. It's, it's sort of tied with performance anxiety, but just like, I don't want to be worried if someone's like staring at my stomach or staring at my boobs while I'm playing. Like I want to be thinking about the music. Um, yeah. yeah, so I feel like unless a guy's in like spandex or something, that's never a thing that's gonna come up for them, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I had to wear, and then she like gave me these heels. It was just like so unpleasant. And then so, they kept like cycling us in and out and I thought I was like doing a good job and playing all the same things 
And because it's like dance music, you're supposed to dance. And so I was dancing. I looked at the guys. I'm like, okay, I will dance just as much as they are dancing. And I'm like, great, everything's cool. And then they told me like, oh, Kate, can you dance like a little more? I'm like, okay, next time, like, I got this. I'm going to dance a little bit more. And I did that. And then after we had like two sets. So like it was in between the sets where we got dinner and stuff. They're like, okay, Kate, like you're good to go. Actually, I think we, we don't need you anymore for the rest of the night. And I'm like, oh, like what happened? Like you, you know, what's going on? And they basically like didn't answer. And they're just like, oh yeah, we're good to go. You know, I think the guys can take it from here. And I tried to push it a little bit more. And I sort of figured out that it was because I wasn't dancing as much as they wanted me to that I didn't get like, because there were still like two hours left of the gig. So I was like really scared that I wasn't going to be getting paid the right amount. It was really awful. And I just felt so embarrassed and shitty. And yeah, it was not fun. So every time that like picture of the makeup and the hair like goes through in my memories, I'm like, no, like that was a terrible time. And I was just so, yeah, like so sad, like how, like they didn't hire me as a dancer. Like I'm not a dancer. I was there to play trumpet, like, and I was dancing. I understand if you're just like a stick and you're not moving, but, and it was just, yeah, I realized that they wanted a woman to dance 10 times as much more than the men because the men can get away with just like a simple sway. And they're like, this girl needs to like get down on the floor. It was just like, oh, it made me so sad. That's so weird. That's just so strange because you were hired to play your trumpet. <laughs> You're yeah. Hired as a musician. <laughs> if they wanted a dancer, they should hire a dancer. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I've and done a different dancing gig where they had a whole horn section and it was for someone's bar mitzvah and we had to dance to We Found Love and play like a like this whole choreographed routine while playing like horn lines over it. But we had like four rehearsals for the dancing section. And it like, yeah. they made sure that we actually knew what we were doing because we were horn players, not dancers. Yeah. So it's like- They told you ahead of time. Like here's- Yeah, it was just, it was so game. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was fair. very weird. Fortunately, other than that, I haven't had too many crazy negative experiences. There's definitely times where I know I mean, we talk about them in the Facebook group sometimes when people are like, all right, guys, like, let's do this. And I'm like, oh, yes, I'm here as the woman in the band. Yeah. And I'm not a guy. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but fortunately, nothing super negative. I think, like, every time something's about, like, what you're wearing, it always gets tricky. As a musician, and some of the things that you, you do online are really great, and I, and I commend you for that. Thank you. One of the things you have is you are, you blog on brasschicks.com. Can you talk a little bit about Brass Chicks just in case some people don't know what Brass Chicks is? For sure. Well, we sort of took like a little break this past year, myself and Rebecca Epstein Bully, the other horn player who runs it with me. Mm-hmm. We were both really busy this past year and didn't really put a lot of work into it, but we're hoping to do more things this year. But when we originally started it, it basically became this massive interview series with a ton of um, female brass players all over the world, people who play all different styles of music, people who teach, and then we also sort of expanded it to people who are musicians but not necessarily performers, like people who work in other areas in music who are brass players, which is really cool, um, I think, to sort of like explore and, you know, showcase how creative and how different all of these careers can be in music as a female brass player. 
and we ask them questions about so many different things, you know, obviously their experiences and their history, but also super specific career things and things about being a parent and having kids and, you know, balancing up so many different projects. So it was really amazing to learn from these like major cats in that way. And then we also did this thing called Five Things Friday, where we sort of opened the posts up to the community where people could write about five things. And the whole purpose was that it was like very vague, like five things, five of anything that you wanted to write about. So people would write things about like favorite apps for practicing or five pieces by women to program on your recital or um, you know different things to avoid performance anxiety and they were like super open-ended so we had a lot of like really amazing responses from people of all ages too I think like our youngest contributor was like 12 or something like that like someone awesome. very young and like yeah it was really cool and like I know I learned a lot like reading everyone's posts and it was also a great experience like giving people definitely myself included like the experience to write about these things more mm-hmm. in a way that's not like a standard paper for a class or something yeah and you have really cool stickers so <laughs> Thanks. I yeah Rebecca designed them you should yes I yeah. have so many in my apartment they're um. so cute I love them yeah I love giving them to my students too because they're like they feel so proud you know to like put it on their case like my young female students um it's pretty fun yeah it's a really cool site so you all should check it out because there's a lot of good stuff on there another thing that kate is involved in is and she mentioned briefly was the facebook group that's on right now so um, i've mentioned this a couple times in past episodes in passing um, but I want to talk about it more because now I have one of the admins on the interview, so <laughs> it's nice. And yeah. so, yeah, if people don't know about it, so I want to talk about it a little bit um, because I think it's a really great resource. There is a female, trans, and non-binary brass players group on Facebook, and basically it's a great community for people to talk about you know, the issues that we're talking about right now, but also to share resources and just share projects like, hey, I'm doing this album, or hey, I'm doing this recital, or this is something that I'm working on composing or things like that. And I think it's a really great resource and a great way for us to communicate with each other because we are a minority in the brass world. Yeah. And so Kate, can you delve in a little bit about, you know, where the idea came from and some of the things that you hope the group will accomplish? Yeah, definitely. I think sort of Melissa and I came up with it. She mentioned an experience on Instagram that she had recently and she's like, oh, I wish there was a place to talk about these things. And at the time I was kind of like how you were, like just sort of like looking for something new to dive into. And I was like, dude, let's start this right now. Like I'm literally sitting down making the group right now because I was really excited. Um, I sort of, I think when I started Brass Chicks with Rebecca, we, I definitely wanted something like that, but it wasn't because it was a blog. It wasn't something where people would just, you know, like freely comment their experiences Mm -hmm. for. So I was really looking for something like that definitely because yeah there's so many questions that i've wanted the answers to that i don't feel either comfortable sharing with my name attached to them or just realizing that there are other people like especially accomplished freelancers in new york city who are having these same experiences or have already like went through something that i want to do and so it's been really great in that sense uh to have that community i also learned a lot just by doing it i mean i i'm not going to say that i thought i knew everything obviously but I think the original title title of the group was female brass players and then we're like oh wait no we need to make sure this is inclusive and include 
trans and non-binary folks. And then that sort of brought up the conversations of like, oh, are we including trans men and women or just men or whatever? And just like figuring out the best way to write these descriptions of the group and have rules and make sure that we're including everyone, but also excluding the people that don't follow those qualifications. So I learned a lot about how to watch my own language and be more inclusive in that respect. Yeah. And I think that also like creeped into my teaching too. Like whenever I talk about a musician or my students are bringing up an artist that they were interested in, I just always say they, you know, it's like not that hard. Um, like why should we assume the gender of this person? Um, so yay, they, yay. we should all say it. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, that's so powerful to have a group like that that also includes non-binary and trans people because mm -hmm. a lot of her focus, obviously historically, has been on supporting and amplifying the voices of female brass players. But there's yeah. also others that don't identify as female that have also been, you know, minoritized and not supported historically. So I think it's so great that we're including all of those people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because I have not, to my knowledge, I have not seen a group or a community online like that before. And that's why I think oh, it's wow. such a great Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I guess I hadn't either. We definitely had some trans people who were trying to join who like don't even play a brass instrument. And I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> thank you. But no, not exactly yeah. the place. But yeah, I even think like, especially as a cis women, it's just, there's, we're always forgetting about the people that we don't especially identify with. I mean, it's the same reason that I think like Black Lives Matter is like having this whole resurgence now because obviously it came up when it came up, but then everyone was forgetting about it and no one was making it a priority, including everyone in the classical music world who was continuing yeah. to program works by dead white men. And even though programming diverse composers was something that was always important to me, I didn't commission a lot of black and you know POC composers as much as I would have wanted to and should have been. So I know that I was definitely complicit in that as well. But yeah, having the group has been very eye-opening for everyone, I think, especially for the people who aren't living, especially not even just like New York, but in a community where there are people that don't look like them and don't use the same pronouns as them and are older than them or younger than them or just, you know, in a completely different life space. And I think we're all sort of learning in the group, you know, what being respectful and what being an ally, like, really means so yeah definitely so you're talking about social change and these movements that are going on and i read a little bit about your new album and you mentioned it at the very beginning of this interview and so i wanted to talk about it a little bit because i think what you did with your new album is so interesting and something that isn't done too often when people you know release some, a solo album so can you talk a little bit about your album and some of the meanings behind some of the pieces that you were performing thanks yeah it was such a crazy thing to put together it actually came about because i just after a couple years ago back in 2018 when we were seeing a lot of school shootings i was just like so shocked that like no one was really talking about this and all we were like hearing and seeing online was like oh thoughts and prayers and you know everything's gonna be fine and like there wasn't any like policy and change happening and so I was like oh I should commission a piece about this and so I worked with my friend Kevin and he wrote the piece thoughts and prayers for me for Trump and electronics and that's sort of and the piece has because the electronics it also has a video component so you're seeing the politicians that are in the recording like talking and you're seeing 
not images of shootings, obviously, but just like images of vigils and just like the news headlines where you see all of the different like crazy shocking things that they have on the front page where they're like, another one happened and everyone's like, how crazy. And so seeing people's reactions to playing that piece, I sort of realized like, oh, this is a direction I should go. And I really want to sort of say something that's a lot bigger than just playing another German concerto. And so I sort of, I can't, I started looking for more pieces like that. And then I commissioned a bunch more and then yeah, it became a whole album. The other pieces are about, I have a piece about um, abortion rights called My Body, My Choice. There is a piece about feminism and there's another really cool piece just about like identity in general and you know being discriminated against because of gender or your skin color. And then I actually wrote a couple pieces as a composer for the album, which was a really fun challenge for myself. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, my favorite piece that I wrote for the album is about climate change and I'm vegetarian and I try to be as zero waste as possible, especially now with the pandemic, it's a little bit hard because they stopped composting in New York City, but I am really trying not to make trash and to, you know, obviously you should all be recycling and bringing reusable containers and all of that good stuff. So I wrote a piece about climate change for trumpet, alto flute, viola and cello. And then in the piece, I ended up singing a little bit in it. And then there's like a recording of a fire that comes in halfway through also. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and I love how there's a a message or or some sort of social policy behind each piece. And I think that's great because, you know, you and I can listen to 50 different versions of a Hindemith and be like, okay, cool, here's another Hindemith, nice, great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or the Heiden or the Hummel or whatever. And that's like, when people make an album, you're like, well, just play the classics. And no, I think mm-hmm. it's really cool that you are, you're making it personable and you're writing your own music. I think that's awesome. And those things. So like, yeah, it's a really cool project that you've taken on. So everybody should check out Kate's new album. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Giving you a yeah, plug. it was also hard, like coordinating everything with video. Um, I did a recital in 2019 at the Women's Brass Conference in Arizona, mm-hmm. and that was somehow my first performance of all of these works, like all specifically just the album works in a program. And so it was a lot to coordinate, to press, you know, to press go on a track and make sure the video is playing behind me. And I used to have a eight-year-old computer. So I'm amazed that my computer held it through all of those early performances. Um, but I now have a MacBook and have learned how to do electronics a little bit more. So I definitely know what I'm doing now a lot more than, than then. But yeah, all of the pieces have a video. So it's like coming to a show is like a lot, I think, cooler of an experience. And because of that, it's sort of like allowed me to play this music in like really small concert series, like at bars in New York and to see things on a screen that are making them think a yeah. little bit more than other music might. I also wanted to say that when I first put the whole album together and started writing music for it, I was never thinking of like converting people or saying like, my views are the, the views we should all have. Yeah. I mean, things like being respectful and you know, all of that good stuff is something I hope for everyone. But yeah, I mean, we're all coming from our own experiences and the all of the different viewpoints on the album and the pieces and the videos are sort of meant to like start a conversation for everyone in their own communities rather than like I'm not trying to convert you to my opinions um, in that way so 
Yeah, I love the idea. I think it's great. Yeah, and so you mentioned the the Women's Grass Conference um, in Arizona. So you obviously went to the conference. How was that experience for you? I did. I also went to it in 2017. I played in, back in 2017, I played music for my first album at that one and then led a warm-up session there. It was cool to sort of go to both so I could see, like, obviously I had grown throughout the years and gotten better as a teacher and a performer and just, like, had new interests. I really liked the most recent one in 2019. Yeah, just, like, being in Arizona, like, hanging out with everyone. My group, Project Egalitarian, went, and so we were all staying in an Airbnb together, which was totally crazy. And, yeah, it was a really cool experience. But also, it was a little bit... I think probably everyone who's been to like a conference feels that like overwhelm at some point when you're like this is so much brass music (laughs) and yeah and I don't know if I thought it at the time but it was also just like a lot of old music a lot of like there wasn't a lot of new music happening at the festival definitely not new music by by pop composers or anything like that I went to some really cool concerts there for sure maybe just because my album is like so forward thinking i can say that and it was also interesting that there weren't i'm excited to go to them in future years and see how things change i also think like because of the facebook group now people are going to be like wanting something different from a festival yeah more Um, more interaction with people yeah and like why why did we not talk about all of this stuff like discrimination and just like crazy experiences like you know like some sort of like town hall thing at the yeah at the conference could be a really cool thing that would be really um, cool especially yeah. if we have to go virtual for next year because of COVID. That's true. <laughs> yeah That'd i mean I, to do that. I don't want to run the zoom call with like 500 people yeah um, but yeah <laughs> these conversations should be had for sure i completely agree all right, so Kate, my last question, this is kind of a deep thought question. My question for you is, picture your younger self, so obviously a young female trumpet player, uh, what advice would you give yourself for you know, support or motivation to keep going? What sort of advice would you give yourself to make it so that you are successful in the future and the, where you are now? Ooh, I think I would say, I mean, I think practice more is probably like a guaranteed. Um, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Yeah, focus more. I would tell myself to focus more on myself and my skills and my weaknesses and worry less about other people. I definitely haven't mastered that now, but I think especially now when everything is online and we're constantly scrolling and comparing ourselves to people online, really just focusing on my own goals, my own story, what I'm trying to tell with the instrument is something that is really important. And then like my the younger version of that is like worrying about what I needed to do to be successful or to get called for the gig or to get called for the gig over the guy sitting next to me. Like at the end of the day, like being the best player and bringing the most to the table is like a most flexible person and like a good hang and all of those things that they tell you, you know, to be as a good colleague. Um, like that's the stuff that I would say to focus on more. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much, Kate, for being on and for talking with us and sharing your stories. This was great. Thank you. Yeah, so my name is Emily Fortin, and I'm a Montreal-based trumpet player, and I specialize mostly in contemporary music, new music, and improvisation, but I'm also a teacher of trumpet, and I come, I'm not born in Montreal. I'm born in Val d'Or, Abitibi, which is a little town six hours away 
from Montreal, but I've been in Montreal for nine years now. I moved here for university. So yeah, it's my ninth year in August. So what got you started in music? What piqued your interest? So it was really in high school. Uh, we had, when we were like 11 or 12, we had kind of different meetings to choose an option at high school. So like, would you like to do sports or arts or music? And I remember, I, I don't come from a musical or artistic family at all, but I really liked the recorder in elementary school. And when I, when I was in the music class in high school, I just remember seeing all these instruments and I was, whoa, this seems so cool. And they were talking that we would travel a bit to do some music competitions and we had like two or three concerts a year and for me it sounded so so exciting so this is when my curiosity was like okay yeah i think i would like to do music and so i registered to be in the music class and the summer before entering high school i just listened to a bunch of music and I, did, I remember watching the Broadway show Blast. I don't know if you if you if you know this show. It's a really cool show which with brass and percussions. And so they're doing arrangements of popular songs like the Bolero or West Side Story and things like that. And they move a lot. It's like a lot of choreography. Like these musicians were athletes, literally. Mm -hmm. And I saw that and it was whoa so cool and like the trumpet always had the melody right so it was oh trumpet seems so cool yeah and I was also listening to a bunch of radio music and I noticed that trumpet was quite a versatile instrument like in pop music jazz everything so this is when I was I think trumpet might do it and the first day in the music class, we had to try all of the instruments. And I was only able actually to make a sound on the trumpet or the saxophone. So I'm really happy I chose the trumpet. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I've heard of Blast. Um, I actually interviewed one of the trombonists who played on that show um, for this podcast as well. So that's pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit about your school experiences? Because you said you started in high school on the trumpet. So can you talk a little bit about what those experiences were like being a female trumpet player? So it was, at first, I think playing music in high school was really about being in a group, being in a community. That's really, uh, I'm an only child. So w being in a, a group where I was feeling was important, we were doing something like bigger than ourselves, you know, doing concerts was really important, I think, for my identity to realize that I could have some leadership qualities. I was often playing first trumpet, uh, so these kind of things. And I would say, like, I never realized, like, being a female trumpet player in high school, it was like, it was pretty balanced in terms of boys and girls playing uh, the trumpet, but when I was 14, uh, we have a conservatory in my hometown, so I decided that I wanted to go a bit deeper in my in the learning of the trumpet, so I registered there and I did the audition, got accepted. So I started to have private lessons and, you know, ear training, uh, orchestras, 
lessons at 14 and I was most of the time, most of the time, uh, the only women in the brass class. I didn't feel any, we, it was a small town, right? So it was just like, we're just being friends with each other. And this is not only, unless I started university that I really noticed that there was maybe, it was not always equal and that there was maybe also some stereotypes like for brass people. So this is, I think for high school, because I was in a small town and it was just, and I was also like, I was playing first trumpet. So I feel I was, I was gaining some credibility. Yeah. But um, it was really at university and something I was like, oh, okay, there's, it's not always nice and easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your university experience. Can you talk a little bit about what schools you went to and what that was like for you? Yeah, sure. So I went to University of Montreal for my undergrad. And at first, actually, I started my diploma in musicology because I have to say, I think I didn't have enough confidence to audition in performance. Yeah. And also I had like the saxophone teacher at the conservatory told me two times that I might not be good enough to go into performance. <laughs> and when you're young, these kind of statements stay in your head and you, and you believe them, right? And so I did one year in musicology, but after that I realized that I really wanted to do performance because musicology for me was too much talking about music and not enough playing. And I was feeling that the, 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 the feeling of being in a community was also smaller uh, comparing to play, play in ensembles, play with people. And I would say that coming from like, coming to Montreal, which is a way bigger city than my hometown was quite a shock. It was just like, whoa, so many people. I think like the, the total amount of students on the University of Montreal campus is probably the the number of people in my hometown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was just, you know, everything is big, like, and like you discover that like, you can go to so many concerts and meeting new people. And so you try also to make new friends because when you come from a small town, most of the time you have the same friends from elementary school to high school. So you don't really learn how to make new friends. Mm -hmm. And for sure, you start to be friends with the people you, you're hanging the, the most uh, with. So like brass people, because you play with brass ensembles, uh, chamber music and the orchestra and everything. And all of the people were nice people. Of course, we were a minority of women. That is for sure. And the thing is that, and it took me time, it took me time to reflect on this experience because I noticed that I may have changed a bit my personality to fit into what I call the, the boys club or the bro club. Yeah. And I think I'm someone, I'm an introvert, but was really a sociable person. And I like to make, to laugh with people, to make jokes, but I think... Uh, people like the boys were always, you know, making kind of fart jokes or being yeah. really, I remember, 
Yeah, and we had like, you know, uh, almost naked, uh, a calendar with almost naked women on it in the, in the brass, um, in the brass class, like the guys uh -huh. did that, you know, and it, this is really wrong, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't say anything. And like these guys were, they were really nice people. They were not aware of all of this. But I remember being told, we were playing uh, Copeland Fanfare for Common Man. And you know, mm -hmm. is it like, it's the third moment of the symphony? Is it, or, you know, it comes from after we attach it for a movement in the symphony and saying to the trumpet player next to me, oh my God, I'm so stressed. You know, it's been 30 minutes, like during the rehearsal we haven't played and we need to hit it uh, right on. And he was like, you know, just play with your balls. And nice. this kind of, yeah. And this kind of things, it took me actually time off the school to realize that I decided to be like this person Oh, I'll go have a beer with the guys. I'll go, uh, I'll make bad jokes. So I will laugh about maybe also other women sometimes just making fun, like about this calendar, for example. But I know that today I wouldn't do that at all. I would, I would say something. Yeah, it's easy because you don't want, you want to be accepted, especially in the first years of university in a new town. But like, at some point I was also, I don't know if you ever felt that, but the fact that because you're a trumpet player, you feel you should get along with other, all the other trumpet players. Yeah, yeah, um, especially if you're in the studio with them, if you're in a section with them, I completely understand that. Yeah, like you wanna hang out, you know, like the trumpet studio going on a hike this weekend or things like that, and it's normal, but at some point you, the if the majority of the studio is composed of men and these men are making these kind of jokes or like toxic masculinity you sometimes just go with it without questioning it and you have a feeling of like hmm i i don't i'm not really good in that but i'm i don't i'm not sure why so i did four years at university of montreal that went to mcgill university for my master and the thing is that I realized that it was really toxic as an environment, just like every time, because we started, there were more people at McGill. So there were also more women playing the brass. So it was cool. Uh, I found like a bit of a community in there, but like the fact that even the, the teachers actually are, because my I had a, a woman as a teacher for my undergrad. I had, mm -hmm. there were no uh, female trumpet teachers at McGill. There was only for horn, which I feel horn are mostly even in kind of like men and women playing more yeah. than yeah, yeah, more so than trumpet. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, totally. And that in the orchestra, especially, you hang out a lot with these people. But when I started to do more contemporary music, most of the time you're alone on your stand. Like there's no three trumpets in the section. There's one instrument per section. And so I started to hang, hang around more with other musicians. And this is when I was like, oh, wait, I don't, maybe the only thing we have in common with other trumpet players is that we're playing the trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> These people might, I have, you know, we don't have 
we're not friends with everyone. We don't have things in common with everyone. And that's possible that I enjoy more talking to the percussionist and the violinist up there than spending a night out drinking beer with the, the studio of trumpet because I don't feel good in this environment. But it's always tricky because at the same time, you want to be part of the community, like I was saying. Yeah. So for me, it was like being out of school made me realize all of these things that you don't need to force yourself to be friends with people just because they're playing the same instruments. But at the same time, finding the right, like the, the line is really thin between standing out for yourself, but also being, you know, networking, being there. And so I think I would have, if I was doing, if I was at school now, and I think I would speak up more about things like playing with your balls. Like, I don't even want to hear that again. Like what? What yeah. does that even mean? Like this is the Hands most. Up. We don't have balls. Thank you. <laughs> and like, tell me if there is a new way to add your balls to have more support or play higher. I would be yeah, happy. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah. 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 <laughs> when I was out of school, I started also to travel more, doing some festivals, and um, I have to say that being out because I chose to not follow the orchestra path. And being in contemporary music, I'm not saying it's better. What I'm saying is that I feel there's more diversity because people sometimes in new music, it's rare that you start like you're like 15 and you know, I don't know, Ligeti and Schoenberg and you're just like, oh, I want to play new music. And it's normal. Like you have to, you know, you, you, you have to play Hummel, Haydn. You need to know the basic stuff, the technical stuff. But after that, Sometimes you're just like, oh, do I want to be an orchestra? Do I want to be a part of this journey that is a long and lonely journey at some point, like practicing excerpts, auditioning everywhere uh, for maybe getting a job that is not money-wise enough. And But being in contemporary music, people are just, they, they question their path. What, what do they want to do? Do they want to fit in what we're taught? at school and so I feel the diversity was more there and I was often the only trumpet player or even the only brass player so it helped me a lot I, I found this community which was fitting me way better and also that there was not a question of like am I the only female trumpet player mm -hmm. I'm just a part and I thought it was way less toxic than and it's funny how at the same time you know, at school, I think be, I think it's a mix of starting in musicology, so thinking I'm not good enough at, for, at the first place, but also because there were less women. Like, I think for my first or two first years of university, I was the only female trumpet player. And let's say I'm doing the auditions at the beginning of every semester, and I'm, don't, I don't know, let's say I'm second or third trumpet. That's my seating. But like feeling that, oh, but I'm, I'm a woman, so that, of course, like the man will have the first chair. Yeah. But I didn't know it at the time. But it was like if in my unconsciously, I was putting myself down like, oh, but I'm still doing good because I'm, I'm there's few there are few women. So like, it's normal. I'm not at the top, like mm. internalizing that 
women at brass anyway we you know like when you have master classes and everything it's always men coming like James Watson came to our place or Tom Hooden and like we never had a female trumpet player coming from master classes so yeah. you just so I, it's I really totally agree with that they a lot of I don't think I've heard of any music program and I'm, and I'm sure this happens like there there are female trumpet teachers out there however just from my experience, I've never participated in a master class with a female trumpet player. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, this is crazy, right? Because it's all about representation. Mm -hmm. It's a vicious circle. If you don't see any women in like in a good position or a strong, a strong position, you think that you, if you don't see any models, how can you believe that you're you can have a place somewhere. Yeah, and representation is so important. And I talk about that idea a lot, you know, on this show and everything. And I completely agree with what you were saying about, you know, wanting to fit in with your section. And, and you know, because we do, we are taught from a very young age that we need to bond with our section and be a team and your studio in general. And I, and I do agree that there is that toxic culture of masculinity that exists there, especially when you're an only. And you were talking about how you kind of put your own self down when you were the only one and said, oh, well, you know, like, of course the first chair is going to be a man. And I had never thought of it that way before you said it, but I, I completely agree. I think that does happen when we're often the only, we kind of justify situations in a way that makes it not good for us. You know, we're not, we're not motivating ourselves. We're not being encouraging to ourselves. Yeah, exactly. You're just accepting it. And it can take time to realize that. Oh yeah, and you look back on it in the future and you're like, why was I thinking that way? <laughs> exactly. And I remember it was my first year at Miguel. I had a brass quintet and like the tuba horn players were, were women and we were all doing our masters and the two like trombonists and the trumpet player were guys and we could, I, I liked this brass quintet so much. I mean, everyone was nice, but we could clearly feel that the three women in it, like we had so much fun and we were like, I don't know, just stay together and like knowing, especially like a tuba player will meet, will encounter more stereotypes even than trumpet player. Mm -hmm. So we were all really strong together and I was really happy that we could be like, just in this brass quintet together and being and like not necessarily having a, an all-female ensemble but feeling that we can be with men and we can feel strong and yeah. that like everyone can feel strong that was really nice yeah I, I bet can we talk just a little bit about what you do as you know a trumpet player that participates in that new music environment totally so what I'm doing basically what I'm a, I'm a big advocate for new music in trumpet. I realized that brass instruments were often really scary for composers. And there was not as much new music written for brass rather than like, I don't know, percussion, flute, uh, saxophone. And it's because like brass are so physical and like 
in in the head of many people they're just like fanfare style really loud instruments but there's so much more about brass because when i was at mcgill i've been put in the contemporary ensemble after the auditions and this is where i was okay whoa contemporary music can be so much fun because it was also a mix of i always liked um dance theater i took mime corporal mime lessons so these were always other interests in me but i always thought oh no emily you should just play the trumpet you should just practice why are you not listening to more symphonies and i was always you know i i thought i should only do music but in contemporary music you always have not always but often have elements of theatricality or like some acting and when i discovered pieces with that i was whoa i think i might have find my place and so for me what's important in my career is to deconstruct the stereotypes of trumpet like you think we only play like in army bands or like really loud but like i want to find all the sounds all the possibilities on the instrument especially when i'm improvising i will always like playing super soft or playing almost like nut sounds and things like that and for me what's really important is that you know i could in the same way that i chose to not practice excerpts for many hours a day because to be honest i know that there are other trumpet players who are way better at that than me and it's fine you need to find what you're good at and then stick to it because we are so many musicians it's not true that everyone can play as good and like you know i can practice petrushka for 10000 hours and maybe i will sound good but will i be happy with that when so other many people can do it and for me i prefer spending my time of practice inside my practice room of creating new rep for the trumpet and helping composers to understand this instrument and by in the same way under myself understanding it way more because i need to explain it i need to discover hey if i'm taking off the first valve um what's happening when i'm playing an f uh wait is it like a semitone off or things like that that i really enjoy like being almost i would say Indiana Jones on the way of like finding new things of the trumpet. So for me, my career is all about if first I know that I have interest in other forms of arts. So I know like I might not be your your women to play Petrushka, but I might be your trumpet player if you need someone who will play laying on her back, then dance a bit, then memorize this section and you know so for me it's way more important at this point i'm really really questioning and it this is a big statement but like for orchestras or like chamber music ensembles playing over and over again like mozart beethoven i really i'm really conscious that this is beautiful music that was written and that for some people who are not musicians it's their first first access to classical music but i think that at some point we have a responsibility as musicians of today 
to create new rap and to question why we're still playing the same music by dead people over and over again. Yeah, and you brought up a good point about how your preparation when you were in school to be a professional trumpet player was not necessarily orchestrally focused. And I feel like a lot of programs, that's what they push to be the symphony orchestra musician when you're a performance major. And so I think it was really interesting that you were like, yeah, I don't want to practice Petrushka 10 hours a day because doesn't really excite me too much, right? So yeah. I totally agree because I feel like there are so there are so many different musicians out there who have different interests and different specialties and whatnot and whatever they do. And music schools need to cater to those specialties a little bit more. I feel like things need to be a little more individualized instead of having the same things for every student to learn over and over and over again because it's only catering to a percentage of professional musicians that are out there. Totally. And like at some point, it's an old canvas. Like we, there's so many musicians today. There's not enough orchestra jobs for everyone. I feel that for, I realized afterwards that all my years at university, I was always thinking I was not good enough, but it's not that I was not good enough, it's that I didn't find in what I was good enough. Because like, even if my trumpet, uh, my trumpet teacher in undergrad was in the contemporary ensemble in, at res in residency at the school, so I went to some of her rehearsals and I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool, but like, no, like orchestra, you know, you need to do that. And like, I was, we're almost like, it's like a cult. You, you need to do orchestra yeah. to be successful. And even myself, you know, when I'm really doubting myself and having a big existential life crisis, I'm asking, okay, Millie, like, are you, did you trick yourself? And maybe you're really not a good trumpet player. And this is why you decided to play contemporary music. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Because feeling that even if you have a good career and you're really happy with it, when you meet other musicians and like you're not in an orchestra and we always finish by talking about music, um, but saying that you're not doing orchestra is a bit like saying, oh, I didn't succeed. Yeah. Yeah. No, because we, we hold the symphony orchestra to such an elite standard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that doesn't, there are so many trumpet players, brass players, musicians, there's so many out there that aren't playing in orchestras that are still phenomenal musicians. And we hold the orchestra up to this super high standard. And if you aren't an orchestral musician, then you didn't make that standard. You weren't good enough to get there. And we yes. look down on new and contemporary music so much, which I, I don't quite understand for how... Uh, progressive the US and the rest of the world is moving towards classical music has fallen so far behind in that we're still playing music that's hundreds and hundreds of years old and we're expecting new people to come to our concerts new audiences to arrive and the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we start holding new and contemporary music to a higher degree and start performing it more and bringing it to the general audience because we're not we're falling behind that you're so right I don't know, yeah, same, I don't know what happened, but like, can you imagine if it was always the same paintings or the same movies? 
that yep. we were always watching. It makes no sense. And for me, I think I need to create. And when you're part of a section, your job is to sound like a section. And if you're not the first chair, your job is to sound like the first chair. And even if you're the first chair, your job is to sound like the conductor wants it you to sound like or like all the recordings that have been made of this piece you know you have no almost you don't have a lot of space to question how you want to sound what you want to do and for me i think like creativity should be more more encouraged in schools because we're just of course there are things you need like i was saying you need to play these classical concertos to just learn how it was written and with and everything but at some point why why is like improvisation scaring so many classical musicians and I remember like when I was in, doing my bachelor degree I, I I was hanging a lot with jazz people and I was so envious of them because I feel that any especially the wind players they all they were all encouraged to develop their sound. Uh, you could have like 10 different saxophone players, but like you knew that this one was better at that and this one, or like even in a big band, you know, the first trumpet is like a screamer, but like, you know, that the second is might be really good at doing the solos, but the other one might be really good at flugel. And I don't know, they develop a sense of like, who are they? Like, what are they good at? And like, just work on that but like in classical music i was like wow we always need to sound like and like i just want to be clear like there it's a great feeling actually to be in a brass section and to play like to sound like they're just you're part of like this big sound it's amazing but at some point i think we should go beyond that i i completely agree and the other thing is that I've noticed is that historically symphony orchestras often sounded very different. If you listen to old recordings of the Chicago Symphony and then you listen to the New York Phil, they sound very distinctly different. Like the orchestra had its own characteristic sound and I feel like we're moving towards having even all the orchestras sound the same. There's no room for artistic interpretation even. And another point that I thought of when you were talking was about how we are, you know, we have the standard repertoire that everyone learns when they're in school. Like if you're a trumpet player, you're learning like the Haydn, the Hummel, the Hindemith, blah, 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 blah. And everybody learns kind of like the same group of solos, which is great. Yes, that's providing that foundational knowledge that every trumpet player should know. But we need mm -hmm. to reach a point when students are maybe even upperclassmen, like they're juniors or seniors in their undergrad, where they're starting to branch out and explore different music and what they like to do. Because if you look at other majors, like I'm thinking about my one friend from high school is in an engineering program. You know, they take the same classes for a while and then they branch off into different Forms of, like you could be a civil engineer, uh -huh. engineer, blah, 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 and they're going into their own specialty. And then their last year, right. they do an internship and they get to study what they want to study. They get to go work with whoever they want to work with. And I feel like we need to start treating classically trained music programs more like that, where we're encouraging kids to explore different avenues and that sort of thing. So if they're interested in new music or contemporary music, they could pursue that avenue. 
instead of just holding the symphony orchestra job into this super high regard. If you want to do that, that's great. Good for you. Like, go do what you want to do. But we also need to be more accepting of, hey, this person wants to be a jazz musician. This person wants to play new music. This person wants to be in a chamber group. I think we need to be more open to students exploring those other avenues. You're so right. And especially because I feel that we're we, we're as musicians, we're asked more and more to be like entrepreneurial, to be a musician, but also to make like your own website, to promote yourself, to book gigs and all of these things. But like, how can you do that if you have no clue what's your brand? You know, they tell us to do that after school, but like we don't learn it. Well, and I think it's the right moment because this is true that when we're at school, we have time to explore and to practice a lot. We don't have as many gigs or like the real life to take care of at some point. And so I think it's so it shows up that most of the teachers are truly not connected to the world today. I remember like at McGill, my teacher, an amazing, amazing trumpet player. But, you know, he got his symphony job as at, I don't know, 24 and only played that. Um, sometime doing chamber music with the members of the symphony. But uh, after that, like, I know that for me, I need to write a grant. I need to have a website other than that, you know, like you kind of not exist. I need to make my recordings and everything. And I know he never, he never had to do that. I'm not saying he should know all of this, but like for him, it's not even, it doesn't cross his mind. For him, it's like practice, practice, practice. But at the end, some teachers are not connected to what it takes now to be a musician. And I feel that less and less these kind of success stories, if I can say, you know, like this person getting their orchestra job at 23 and keeping it until they retire. I don't think it will happen as much. And I think it's for good because we need also more representation of different teachers to discover what you would like to do to have more examples. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with everything that you said and everything that we're talking about is, is so relevant and it's so it's so needed, especially now. And you were talking about we're encouraging musicians to be their own entrepreneur and have their website and all these things. And if we are looking at music careers beside the symphony orchestra, focusing more on teaching kids improvisation, and things of that nature, because if they pursue any sort of gig outside of that orchestra gig, they're going to have to be able to do all those things and have all of those skills. Exactly. You participated in this global leaders program, which I thought was so interesting because it gave you the opportunity to go and teach music all over the place. Like you were in Chile and yeah. Bolivia and Panama and Washington DC. So can you talk a little bit about what your experiences were like in this program and what your responsibilities were? Yes. Um, so I did this program right after I finished my master's degree. So it was a good way to kind of transition slowly, like to real life, because like it was online classes and it was really focused on pedagogy and how how to teach and putting you in situation where 
you wouldn't normally have the opportunity to go like I wouldn't go by myself to Bolivia to teach and it was really interesting because I started to teach at the end of my undergrad and I realized I really like that and it's important for me to teach to be able to give back what I received and to give it in a better way also for example I didn't know seriously how to practice until I was maybe 22, like seriously how to practice efficiently. But now when I'm teaching, I want to tell that to my eight years old student. I want to tell him or her that. So Global Leaders was really good because I think the first amazing thing is that you meet people from everywhere. You're 35, I think now it's 50 participants, but like at the time it was 35. And so I met people from all around the world and knowing that you have friends everywhere it's so i think it's one of the perk of being a musician and what is great you know knowing that i'll go uh, i don't know i'll go to jamaica and oh okay i know i'll call my friend daryl to just tell him hey could i set your place and could i maybe see some of your students or you know things like that and it really i think also being a teacher is a really important part of being a musician because it makes you understand your instrument way more um, because sometimes you're faced with problems you never thought you you had and you're just like wait what is happening and so you're learning a lot and it helps also being accountable for yourself in a way because when you keep saying to a student um, practice this way or you know keep a journal or things like that and you just wait I'm not doing that myself why? <laughs> I'm giving good advice. I should follow them. And um, the cool thing with global leaders is that, so it makes you teach in many countries. And for example, when I was in Bolivia, uh, most people were speaking Spanish. Um, English was not much speaking there. And so even if I learned a few words, the, the real like the, the, the big challenge was to be able to transmit my ideas to someone who might not completely understand me while I was speaking. And for that, I think it was great because you need to develop other ways like by playing a lot, also by being able at the same time to make the sound you don't want the student to make and by being the sound you want them to make. Or so it really, after that, when I came back to Montreal, now I'm teaching in some high schools, I teach privately, and I always feel that, you know, it can't be worse than being with someone who basically don't speak English. You know, I, I should find a way to be clear because I succeeded to teach to someone who is not speaking the same language or like things like that. So I think it puts you in a lot of different situations and after that you're ready for anything it's like it can never be as challenging as this time so um, for me it was really a, a really good experience and also meeting people from everywhere and being I don't know developing I think it's also really important because we're taught you know play for a trumpet player like do the Schlossberg, the Clark, Arban, and everything, and those are really important. But after, when you're starting, starting to teach yourself, you're asking yourself, what what's important for me? What I want to transmit? And 
in which book should I use and like just so building your own pedagogy is really fun and important and you need by to develop it you need to teach there's no other way around you can just think oh I'll do that but you need to try uh, with students so I think it was a really nice experience that make that made me ready for anything back back here that's awesome that's so great that you had that experience like that's that's so awesome you've talked a lot about your contemporary work and as a, a musician that's a huge proponent of new music and that sort of thing so can you talk about some of the pieces you've worked on or some of the projects you've done as a trumpet player in the new music world sure so the first i think i can talk about the first piece i commissioned and that i was paid for <laughs> that was a big a big moment you know okay so i'm receiving money to create something whoa okay it's real life and I had a chance to do that with a really good friend of mine, the composer Sophie Dupuis. And it was really cool because we are still like collaborating from here and there. And what I really appreciated is that when you're creating a new piece of music, um, you can you can totally contact the composer or the composer will contact you and you'll be like, I want a piece and the composer will write the piece then give it to you and that's it but that's yeah. not interesting for me what's interesting in creating is like it's not a piece for trumpet it's a piece for Emily the trumpet player and after that it's really important to make a piece that will be can be played by other people I'm not saying I just want it to be played by me but like really sticking to what's important for me and like what am I good at or what I would like to explore and let's work around that. So it was a really fun things because like I said previously, I really liked, I did many theater classes in high school, um, corporal mime dance. And so it was always like the physicality in performance, like not just playing in front of my music stand, doing something else, like giving to the audience a real experience of everything, you know, like lights, mm -hmm. sound, moving. And so she came with like, when I was talking about playing on my back, like the, the piece open and I'm on my back and I need to play. And I don't know if you ever tried to play trumpet on your back, but like, that's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, is it too much? She was, no, no, I'll do it. Uh, so, you know, you're in your practice room and you're just like lying on your floor and trying to find ways to not have like all the condensation coming back to you and things like that. And it was with two dancers. So it was really cool because sometimes I needed to trust other people in the performance. And I had to also learn a choreography that is another layer on top of like playing the music and learning how to... I never did marching bands and it's not really a thing in, in Quebec. So like playing while I'm walking or things like that. So it was a really nice challenge. And after that, every creation, every new collaboration I'm doing, I really want it like to be, I love when you're just sitting with the composer at first and like, what are you up to these days? What did you think? What did you about for the piece? Like, what are your questions? Um, so just having for me, 
I'm not working with a composer because it's weird to say because it's a good composer, but I work with a composer because it's a human I really enjoy being around. <laughs> and I feel like composers of today, like their music will inevitably like evolve. So what they wrote five years ago might be completely different from today. So for me, it starts with like, I enjoy your company. I really like you as a person. So, okay. And you write music. So I think we could have a good chemistry because the chemistry of working together, like it's, it can be hard to find and you need to find good people to work with. So I remember also there's, I don't know what will happen with COVID and everything, but normally in December, I'm premiering a new piece in Toronto. And that was written by a composer, Jason Dole. And I remember I did what was called the Toronto Creative Music Club. It was a summer program uh, two years ago, and he was one of the organizers. And he was just such a funny person, really nice. And, you know, I was at the end of the, of the program, I was like, Jason, you know, you should write a piece for trumpet. <laughs> and he was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was, mm, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'll think about it. And I said that not really expecting him to, I know, like he's busy and everything. And like maybe two months after, he wrote to me saying, Emily, I, I thought about that. And I think, I think I might have some ideas. And also because at first I told him like, you should write a piece for trumpet, but also with movements you know, gestures and the piece. And he was like, I thought about it and I really hate every pieces that were written with gestures, but you make me think that I should try to find something I appreciate and like work on it with you. So finally, you know, it was really fun because I challenged him and he also challenged me. And so I really, I appreciate like when we were talking about branding, it's also branding in the way that who am I as a human first, you know, not as a trumpet player, what am I going through and what I would like this piece to talk about because there are already enough pieces that are just technical pieces and they can be fun to play. But I think that when you're creating a piece, if you can identify with it, the work will just be better because it will be something that could not have happened if you didn't talk about it or like, I think it after that people can also rely to the piece even more because the, the piece has a story. And you know, it's like for example, when you learn that the Hindemith Sonata, what is it about? You're just, oh, okay. And I don't know, it adds an emotional layer on top of it. But people don't bother looking into what the piece is about that they're playing. They just learn it and then they play it. And for me, when I you know, read about Hindemith and what he was going through at the time when he wrote that piece and the reasons behind the piece, that just made so much of a more impact on me as a performer. So I can imagine when you're talking about having that relationship with a composer and having that collaborative idea between the two of you, that could be so important. And I think that people need to put more emphasis on that. And I think that's what will increase the value of new music in today's society is that idea of having a relationship and building collaboration. You're so right, yes. And for me, even when I'm teaching, it's really important for me to ask, 
the especially my younger students okay you play this piece or even this etude and tell me what were you thinking when you were playing it what's the story like even playing a hearing etude okay so what do you imagine to make it like more musical and yeah you need to develop that because after that there is so much more like for me when i'm performing i want for me the reasons of performing are the same that when i'm watching listening a show and you know i have goosebump and i'm just like whoa i'm feeling something this is great and i want people to have the same reaction and but if you have no emotional connection to what you're playing it's probably it won't probably happen with the audience people can say wow that was really well executed but with this really well perform like i think there's a difference between executing a piece performing a piece and this difference lays in the emotional connection you can find in the piece you're playing emily i want to thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today and talking about your career and some of these ideas that you have about new music i i really think it's important that we are valuing new music that we're promoting new music and we're promoting the musicians that are behind all of these projects as well Totally. I think there's so much more to discover in new music and I think it shouldn't be scary or or anything. Like everyone can find something that they like. And I think like finding what you're good at and what you would like to explore should start way younger and it's by listening to a variety, a diversity of music.